Welcome back to the Edia Game Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce you Mattia Schaffer. You might know Mattia from LinkedIn. She is the founder of Edia of Germany and host of their podcast also. So, Mattia, great to have you here. Thank you very much, Elric. I was also looking forward to this. I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while. I love your tips and hacks that you post for SDRs. And I'm excited that you invited me into the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just before we start um, with the episode, um, do you mind to introduce yourself for those people who, are, who don't know you? Of course. I am, well, my name is Matia. I am, you probably caught onto my accent. I'm not from London. I am from Germany. I've been trying to get rid of this German little hit of accent um, in my English, but I uh, haven't been super successful at it yet. I studied, I came to the UK, to London to study international business. And then after I finished, the pandemic hit straight away. And I thought I was going to go into marketing, actually. But Faith called me and there was no marketing positions available at the beginning of the pandemic and only like software sales and SDRs. So um, I started my role as an SDR and um, yeah, I thought it wasn't going to be that difficult. I thought I'm just going to walk into the office and I'm going to talk to a couple of people, right? And then um, very quickly reality hit and I realized that it's not actually that easy and that people don't want to talk back to me, right? And um, I remember in the first week I went to my manager and I said, listen, teach me. You've been in business development for a very long time. Tell me what works. Like, how can I how can I hit my target? Because at the time, my target was, you know, it was so daunting because I wasn't even getting people to reply to my emails. And then he like gave me his best tips. Right. He was like, the more emails you send, the better, the more dials you do. And he gave me all these tips and I was gassed and I was like, let's go like I could do this. And then after I implemented it a couple of weeks later, I was like, oh, damn, reality hits again. And that also wasn't working. And I realized very early on that sales development is changing and it's not a static thing, right? And yeah. what worked for my business development manager five years ago does not work today anymore. And um, so since then, I've been trying, I've been trying to get to the forefront of sales development and trying to find out, okay, what works today, what works now, and um, how, how did this business development and sales development world change in the last couple of years? And um, I then at some point started, I, I joined SalesLoft, which is a sales engagement platform, which was really nice because I was selling to sales leaders and I had the opportunity to speak to hundreds of different sales leaders for my job, right? And I've been I've been able to ask them how they do things and what has changed. And I document my journey on LinkedIn. I post about, you know, what's worked for me. I think a lot of people um, think of me as, um, as someone that posts a lot of memes because I, I, I love using memes within my outreach. Um, but I also try to incorporate a lot of, because I feel like, Sales is so much more than just sales, right? Like, at least for me, I've I've been going through such a big personal development journey during my sales development journey. So I include a lot of like how to find yourself and how to be a bit more confident in your own role, but also within your own personality in the things that I post on LinkedIn. And now I've talked for a very long time, but um, I hope that was an okay introduction <laughs> i have a couple of things uh also what you mentioned about the marketing you are thinking about doing marketing and not doing sales at the beginning and that's something it was pretty much the same for me 
when I started, uh, but it was not during COVID. So I imagine starting as an SDR during the COVID period, it's, it was pretty intense because obviously the SDR job is hard, but during the, the, the first month of the pandemic was really hard. So, so. Especially because people didn't know back then, right? Like it was the first time when we were onboarding people virtually and when we yeah. tried to stay connected as a team virtually where we didn't have the office anymore. So I feel like everyone around that time, no matter if they'd been in business development for 20 years, for 10 years or for one year, no one knew what they were doing at this time, right? So for someone new to come into the space, it was very confusing because everyone was telling you something different, but in reality, nothing really worked. And and also you didn't know, because I was prospecting also at that time uh, because I was doing a manager role and then we decided because of COVID to stop the SDR function at the company and then, but I was doing prospecting for strategic accounts for the, the company. And uh, same for me, even though I was prospecting for the past three years, I was really, yeah, trying new things because you don't know what's working. And one thing that you are mentioning, and that's also one of the topics I wanted to cover with you today, it's about talking about you and how you can apply I would say your personality in sales or in, in prospecting in general. So when we are preparing this, you mentioned to me that being authentic, that's something, a passion for you in sales. And that's something you, you wanted to talk about. So my question about this, is what does it mean for you being authentic? Because generally when you read posts on LinkedIn, they say, Hey, you need to be authentic, but they don't say how you do that. So what does it mean for you? That is a loted question, Eric. I think um, <laughs> it's a very difficult topic, right? And I think you, yeah. you're so right. Everyone talks about you need to be authentic and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, but what does that actually mean? I think um, I realized this the first time. So I don't know about you or about the people that, that are listening to this. When I started, so sales was my first job, right? I went from, from uni straight into sales. And... Um, I had this perception of professional life where I need to be super professional and I need to be an expert, right? And like everything that I do in my in my personal life has nothing to do with what I do in my professional life. So when I started as an SDR, I wrote my emails in a way that I thought would be good for this kind of environment, right? Like they were super professional, like my personality was taking out, taken out of there completely. I was using, you know, the buzzwords that people use like AI and data. And, you know, I, I was using all this language that I would see on LinkedIn, right? People saying, yeah, right at the bottom, hey, are you free for a call of first day 3 p.m. or Friday 2 p.m.? And I didn't really put much thought into it until one day, I, I don't even know what, what triggered it. And I was thinking about, I was comparing my WhatsApp messages, the way that I communicate with my friends and with my family and the people that I know in my personal life. I was comparing that to the emails that I was writing. And what I really clearly saw was that those were two completely different people, right? Like if you wrote, my, if you read my email, you would never think that this is an email written by Mattia. And I think then it, it sort of started sinking in because at the same time, I was reading the study published by Harvard and MIT that in modern sales development, the average C-level executive gets around 128 sales emails a day, which, I mean, if you think about it, that's just insane, right? I get anxiety thinking about having 128 people in my inbox. And so 
it was that realization that I'm not really being myself and that there are so many other people that are reaching out to my prospect that I was sort of combining those thoughts and thinking, okay, it somehow means that I need to stand out out of these 128 people. And then I started going onto this journey where I was trying to explore, okay, what is it that makes me different to all of these other people, right? Like, thank you, just thinking about this. And I always say, like, that has so much to do with self-awareness. Like, who are you actually? What is your identity? Who are you as a person? What What is, who do you think you are? But then also comparing that with your reputation, like asking the people around you, what is it like to be friends with me? Like, how do I make you feel? What are the qualities that draw you into me? And sort of like understanding your your very own uniqueness and your very own personality and being sure of that, like believing in yourself, discovering yourself and then reinventing yourself all the time, like going out of your comfort zone and trying new things and all of these kind of things. So I think the first step to being to being authentic is first of all to realize that the only thing that will set you apart from all of these other people is you and yourself and your personality, not the, your product, not the company that you work for. It's just you and yourself. The second step you go into is realizing, okay, who are you? What is it that makes you you? And then the third step you combine these two things instead of trying to be super professional within the things that you do just try to be super yourself in the things that you do right like that's why i started when i started memes because i was like the way that i communicate a lot with my friends is sending memes right you you know when you're on yeah. instagram and you send your friend and you're like how do you remember this and uh, you know stuff like this and i was like okay if if this is me and people are friends with me why would i then in my professional life, just be professional and not just take these qualities over. So I started incorporating memes and it was intimidating at the beginning because at the time no one else was doing it, right? Like now you see a lot of them going around, but, but then there wasn't that many. And to just develop that curiosity and trying out a lot of things, I, like it wasn't, it wasn't, it had, didn't happen overnight that I was able to be authentically myself. Like I had to try out a lot of different things, a lot of different avenues. And then afterwards I can see, okay, is this me? Did people like that? Um, can I incorporate this into my overall outreach? So I think um, being authentic has a lot to do with self-awareness and first of all, knowing who you are and what you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And being confident in that. And I have a question about this because you mentioned that something obviously takes you time to start using memes in your outreach. For example, at Self Love, is it something that um, you are allowed to do? Because my question is, I know some companies you you need to use the templates that the company give you, and that's it. And so you are not allowed to test new things. So, what was your your process with that? First of all, if, if that's really the situation that you're in, if your company is telling you you need to do this and you can't divert and you can't live out your curiosity and try your own things, then please find another company, honestly. Like, especially if you're an SDR, there is, the market is booming. There is a million positions that are open right now. Go and find another company. Second of all, I think, um, <laughs> and this might be a little bit of bad advice, but the way that I used to do this, I would always ask um, for forgiveness rather than for permission, right? Like when I first started video selling, 
do you think I went to my head of sales and asked him if I was allowed to do that? No, I just did it. I just, you know, started taking my own actions into my hands and I did it. And at the end of the, the month, I was the one that, you know, achieved 250% of their target. And then I would go to my head of sales and be like, listen, I booked in so many more opportunities this month because I tried out video selling. Let's bring this to the entire team, buy some licenses, right? And obviously I had, I had, um, there was two things that came out of that. First of all, I was able to, to do the things that I wanted to, because I didn't ask if I can, I think that should just be a given. You, you shouldn't need to ask for permission in this. And second of all, obviously my head of sales afterwards was delighted because he was like, well, nice. Now Mattia found something we can use this for the entire team. So yeah. you can also build your internal brand with this, right? No, exactly. And that's a really good point, what you just mentioned. Uh, I was asking that because my first company as an SDR, it was the complete opposite. Uh, you need to do it by the rules. Uh, I was stayed there for eight months, but one of them was you need to use exactly the template. And but yeah, obviously when you are um, with uh, your manager or your leader who will give you uh, maybe if they give you direction on what you can use, but they give you also the freedom, they're not going to uh, how do you say that? Punish you to to try new things. They are like yeah, because some managers or leaders they are more uh, focused on the results, not what you are currently doing. They they don't care about the process. They will be more checking your results at the end of the month. I mean, sometimes this isn't necessarily something where you know they have a bad intention. I feel like um, they just have a lot of SDRs to manage. I remember when I started at Salesloft, we have um we have like a Salesloft cadence, right? And it was very heavily tacked it. It was like day one, day two, day three. And I was the first German speaking SDR there. And my manager was like, here, use this template. And I said to him, I can't use this template because the, the, the market in Dach is so different than it is in the UK. Like I, I'm gonna, sorry for saying this, fuck off all my prospects. If I hammer them, like the Germans do not like this. Right. And at first he resisted. He was like, no, 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 but this is how we do it. And then I wrote down a business case and I was like, so this is what I know about the German market. You don't know anything about the German market. So let me tell you this. This is the risk that we're running if we do it like this. And this is the way that I would do it. So I think, and I think this is the best way to, to manage leadership anyway. It's like, don't complain about the things. Don't tell him, no, I don't want to do this and then be pissed off because he's telling you to do it. Come with him with come to him with a business case and with a different solution, right? Because it's easy to just complain and it's easy for him to just say, no, you can't do it that way if you don't offer him another solution. But if you offer him another solution and you tell him, I thought about this, you don't even need to think about this. I have done everything. All you need to say is, yes, go do it. Your chances of it actually happening increase by so, so much, right? So in any, in any, not just if you are trying to try out something new in anything where you're like, this process is dumb or I don't want to do this. Don't just go to your manager and say, I don't want to do it like this. Go to him with another solution so that he can say yes to that. That'll make things so much more easier. Yeah, that's a really good point because yeah, it's not saying no to to this. It's just bringing them uh, a new solution. Um, I have a question. So, but because you are talking about uh, that, 
with your friends. Obviously, that's the the way you are communicating with memes. And then you started to incorporate that in your outreach. I've seen uh, maybe seven or eight from your memes on LinkedIn. So I know that you have a lot of memes that you're using. So what? how do you find some inspiration? I've always known that I am quite creative, right? Like here, you look at my flat now and there's pictures everywhere and like stuff hanging everywhere. So I think I, I'm naturally inclined to to get inspiration from a lot of things and, and to be creative. But I think it's it's just about opening your eyes, right? Like inspiration is everywhere. You can find that everywhere. Like if if my friend sends me a funny meme in a completely different situation, right? Completely different situation. I think my, one of my best performing memes was, you know, that guy that's like standing, I don't know, I think they're standing in New York somewhere and he's holding up this sign, right? There was, I don't even remember what the situation was anymore, but there was a meme that fit into a situation that I had with my friend and she sent it to me. And I just had my eyes open and I was just like, ha, I can use this exactly the same way, but in a different situation, right? So I I try to keep my mind open at all times and I, stay, I try to stay curious at all times so that I don't necessarily need to go out to find inspiration, that, that inspiration is, is here already. It's everywhere in the yeah. world, right? You just need to keep your eyes open and to keep your mind open so that you can see that inspiration. Um, so a lot of the times, you know, I'm just on meme pages and I look through the different memes that other people make and I'm like, okay, how can I, how can I switch this around to a sales one? And as soon as you open your eyes, you see them everywhere. So I think in, in general with whatever it is, like, the way that that I've been trying to 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 upskill my SDR, what after that after that moment where I realized that sales development is changing, was just to be on the lookout because I realized if I do memes today and that works today, then everyone is doing it, and it like three months. I didn't think it was going to be this quick actually, but in three months, it doesn't work as much anymore, right? So I constantly have to be at the very forefront and constantly have to keep my eyes open to the new things that are happening because I always need to be a step ahead of what everyone else is doing. It's the same with video selling. When video selling first came out, people jumped on it because, and it worked because not a lot of people were doing it. And now we see that decline where like everyone is using video selling and a lot of people aren't using it in the right way, but some people are using it in the right way. And then it doesn't work again because everyone else does it. There's no, there's no way for you to stand out. So be on the constant lookout for the new things and try to innovate and reinvent yourself all the time, which is why I said that within that self-awareness practice, reinventing yourself and always looking for a new thing is one of the most important things in your self-awareness. So what are you trying right now with memes? Uh, are you trying one that's performing because you mentioned the one from the guy in New York uh, are you trying something different also right now yeah I mean now I made my own memes right I, I realized that everyone was um, po or like was using that meme with the guy holding it up so I went to Leicester Square and I like reinvented that meme and I put myself on that meme and then again I have something that stands out out of that crowd that you know everyone is using that meme what can I do to make it different? So I just made it for myself. Same with everything. Like, I don't know. You know that that meme I posted very early on. Someone is sitting at their laptop. It's like a skeleton. And it says, like, I'm waiting for your reply. 
everyone uses that now. I, with William, I'm an advisor at Vidu and they do like a lot of GIFs and memes and they do really cool stuff. So we were thinking, okay, what can we do? Because this meme is getting old now. So I'm working, <laughs> actually bought on Amazon today, like a skeleton costume so that I can reenact that meme by myself. And then it'll have another personal touch to it and people wouldn't have seen it and people will laugh, right? But again, in two months, that'll be old news because more people will try that out and then it doesn't work. And then I need to think about something else. What that will be, I have no idea, but I'm sure it will come to me because I keep my eyes open for inspiration everywhere. Uh, and what I really like about that also is you are adding your personality. It's already to what you're saying, being authentic, but you're adding your personality now in the memes because memes are the way you are communicating with your friends but now you're also creating those memes and adding your personality to to them so it's it's different and i imagine that you get a lot of replies now uh from those absolutely because it's like one of the the biggest things when i speak about understanding the sdr role that helped me a lot was to just put yourself into your prospect shoes right so my dad is a head of business development in Germany, like a very different company. They're very like old school, traditional, conservative. They don't even have a CRM, but it doesn't matter. He's like similar to my prospect, right? So one day when I started at SalesLoft, I was like, dad, let me look into your inbox. I want to see what your inbox usually look like, because if I don't know what I'm standing out from, it's very difficult for me to stand out in the first place, right? So... After he was like, no, I don't want you to look at my inbox. I was like, dad, I'm just looking at your sales emails. And he was like, okay, fine. And I just looked at the sales emails and I tried to understand what is everyone else doing and how can I do that differently? And that's where I came in with the memes and with the videos, for example, because I saw that my dad was only getting text messages. And it's very difficult to stand out a text message. Like you can have a really good copy and write a perfect sales email, but if it's not seen, then it doesn't it doesn't bring you any value, right? So for anyone that hasn't done this yet, yet, like go and ask someone within your circle or even go and ask someone on LinkedIn that is similar to your prospect and ask them to have a look at your sales at their sales emails. What does it look like? What do I need to do to get your attention, right? Until this day, my dad, every time that he gets a sales email that he thinks is either really good really bad he forwards it to me so that I can understand okay what are, are the other people doing what is triggering my dad and then sometimes he sends me a message and he's like oh this is really great and I'm like what like I don't think this is great but it puts me back down to reality and I understand wh what world my prospect lives in because yeah. I think it's so yeah. difficult right as an SDR you most of the times you've just started your career you you don't have 20 years of experience right and you're talking to people that have 30, 40 years of experience. They're on a completely different level. So it's difficult to understand them if you don't know them. So really trying to understand them and putting yourself into their world and putting yourself into their inbox and what kind of problems that they have is going to help you so much within your SDR role. Like I remember when I, my, my first job of selling marketing analytics, like data software. Yeah. I mean, I hated it because... I didn't have any passion for it, right? I, I, I couldn't care less about data, but also it was super difficult because I had no idea what head of data decision-making 
were doing all day long. I, I couldn't relate to them. And so I, I, I had to spend like five, six months of interviewing head of data decision-making people, of going on YouTube, consuming the content that they're consuming, listening to the content that they were consuming so that I can really immerse myself within their world and be authentic when I speak to them. Because if I have no idea what their world looks like, if I have no idea what their day looks like, it becomes very difficult for me to confidently and authentically speak to them in a discovery call. I would say that not training because it's not it's you doing that on your own, but I think uh, something that makes a difference in the role uh, that you are prospecting to marketing people uh, says here it's to study your customers or prospects, and what you just mentioned it's what you need to do. Um, some there is other stuff that I'm, I'm also doing on that it's. Uh, listening to QBRs from the CS team, for example, to see what the customer, they are happy to see uh, why they are, for example, renewing with us and stuff like that. Same with prospects when they book the, the, the uh, when I book a demo for, for the team, for example, or my, someone on my team book a demo for, um, for an AE. I'm not listening to the whole call because it's not the, the point of it, but it's the reason why they, they, they get on a demo to, you know, to say, hey, we have this specific problem and we want to solve this. And now that then they start the conversation, that's uh, where I'm, the information I'm looking for. Then something that I've started using also since I'm cheap paper, it's uh, G2 also, because on G2, you know, you have the older reviews, you can see the words they're using. Um, for example, because what I realized also, I don't know for you, but the, Generally, in all my companies, uh, on the website, we have some words we're using for to talk about our products. And you go on G2 and you see the reviews from customers and they are different. And so I try to match the, um, the, the word they're using. And so I would say that's what I'm doing with, with customers generally. And then what you, you just mentioned, it's consume the same content they are consuming and follow the, the thought leaders they are following also and you learn so much just by, by doing that. And for example, we have, um, there is, uh, I don't know if you know Chris Walker, for example, uh, the CEO of Refine Labs. Yes, of course, who doesn't know him? <laughs> for example, his vision of uh, marketing and RevOps uh, marketing today, it's pretty aligned with what we do at Chili Pepper. And so, for example, a lot of Chili Pepper customers are consuming this content. So it means that other prospect might consume the same content. And so it's so good to listen to this and the way of basically how they talk about marketing. And I think this is where the biggest problem in sales development, like strategy and, and coaching lies is that we focus so much on the product and especially SDRs, they're like, oh, I need to know all about this product and the integrations and stuff like that. And yes, you know, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't know anything about the product, but what's so much more important in sales development is understanding your market and understanding the the problem and the trends and the content that are people con consuming in this market, right? Like, I, I always get asked, especially in Germany, because the, the sales development role isn't, isn't that of, as advanced as it is in the UK and in the US and Germany, is where, where, do, where, where do SDRs stand? Are they in sales or are they in marketing? And I'm like... I don't think you can put them in either of the buckets. They're a demand generation. They are going out there to understand what are the problems that our customers actually having and how can we solve them and what types of things do they need. So you don't necessarily need to know anything about the product. All you need to know is the market and what people are struggling with. And then 
align with what you can help them with your product. And there we go. Everything else the AE can do or the account manager, right? They can know all about the product, but the SDR is demand generation and nothing else. For me, and I think even though it's, I don't think product training is necessary for SDRs, it's you, you need training on the buyer personas and the problem you're solving. It's way easier to have conversation on the phone because you understand uh, their world and you know what your product can solve. It's not, hey, my product does this. No, it's, hey, I know that you might have those challenges and we can help with two of them, for example. And that's way better to have conversation with them. So, and I know if I, if I would, what you mentioned, trying new stuff, trying memes and adding your personalities. What do you recommend also for people, for SDRs who want to try to have fun in the role? Because sometimes I'm meeting uh, SDRs who are reaching out to me on LinkedIn and they are really not having fun in the role. So what are your tips for those people? I mean, I think it starts with, first of all, again, I say this again, it's, it's it always starts with self-awareness i think first of all you need to you need to understand what is it that brings you joy and what is it that brings you fun right if you don't know that then it's difficult to change it or it's difficult to implement that into your life so when i first started as an sdr i was doing cold calls i was doing emails i was doing um like linkedin here and there and um I did all of it, right? I did do cold calls in my first role. And then when I changed to sales loft, I had like a two months break in between and I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I really don't enjoy cold calling. Like if there's one thing about the SDR role that I can take away, it would have been cold calling, right? Because especially in Germany, it's difficult to cold call. The numbers like GDPR makes it super difficult, Every, especially during COVID, no one was in the office. At, office and I just didn't enjoy it right like I would wake up thinking like oh my god I need to do two hours of goal calling today and like it would just ruin my entire day so in those two months break that I was between my own company and Sasloft I was really thinking about what are the things that I actually enjoy within my role right and I wrote them down and I wrote down the things that I don't enjoy as much and on top of the list of the things that I enjoy was videos and you know funny things and different things though that, that was my kind of vibe right for some people that's cold calling some people love cold calling even though I don't understand these people I'm very happy for these people that they found their passion within this right so and I made a post about this I don't know if you remember a couple months ago and I said um that during my entire time at sales loft I think I locked two or three cold calls and that was like going to the gatekeeper so I didn't I didn't do any cold calling and I still hit my target like on the fourth or the fifth day of the month and I got a little bit of backlash about it because people were saying like oh yeah but like you need to do cold calling like you're I think someone was saying you're you're less of a salesperson if you don't do cold calling and I was like I understand this is your opinion right and everyone has their own different opinions about it but at the end of the day I wake up I hit my target and I enjoy what I do, right? Like, I was happy with that. Like, you can give me backlash on that, but in the end, I'm winning because I'm enjoying what I do. So I think, first of all, self-awareness, find out what you really want. And if you don't know that yet, 
then go back to that curiosity step where you try out everything. I tried out everything. Every time someone, like a more experienced SDR, was telling me, hey, do you know, have you ever tried videos? I'd be like, no, fuck no, but I'll try it. And I did it, you know, and I, I try out everything. And after that, I, 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 I think about what, what was it that I enjoyed. So, um, and that doesn't help, right? Like, I've had a couple of people, you know, trying out video selling, don't like cold calling, and then they don't end up at their number. And that's sales, right? Then you just need to work a little bit harder and be a bit more ambitious and, you know, work on yourself and and find a way to get to your target. For me, that was LinkedIn. Like, I remember posting on LinkedIn for the first time and it was it was intimidating, I'm not going to lie, because, you know, I, also I was like, this is stupid because I post on Instagram and I, I post on Snapchat, like, this is just another social media. Why am I so intimidated by it? Um, because in the end, it's a professional network, right? Um, and that was something I really enjoyed. And then I did it and I did it and I did it. And I still had to do my emails and I still had to do maybe a couple of cold calls here and there to get my target. But at some point I had my LinkedIn perfected to the way that I didn't have to write emails. I didn't have to write cold calls because everything came over from my LinkedIn. So put yourself that goal of saying, okay, this is my most preferred channel. Ideally, this is the only channel that I want to use or maybe two or three channels that I want to use that I want to get good at. Don't neglect the other ones while you're doing it because then that's not going to get you to your target, but perfect that, work on that and put that as your goal. I was like, when I started SalesLoft, I do not want to do another cold call. And that's what I did. <laughs> no, but I think what you did uh, really great also, it's you were doubling doubling down on your strengths. And I think that's also something I'm working a lot with my team. It's if someone is really good on the phone, obviously I'm going to work on the phone with this person. But if someone is better via email or via LinkedIn, we are going to focus more on this channel. And that's what you did. Because obviously it's better, it's easier for you if you are a B on LinkedIn to be an A or A plus, than if you are an E uh, on the phone to be a D will be way more harder uh, and also to get results. So. Um, completely agree. And just to share with you, also uh, when I joined Shipaba, I think I booked one meeting on the phone, and that's the only meeting I booked. But I make phones, but not in the way that I was just uh, getting demos. It was more using uh, different channels to direct uh, my prospect to my emails or my message on, on LinkedIn. So it was more multi-channel approach than oh yeah, I need to do call call to book meeting. No, it was on top of all what I was doing. Um, on top of what you, you, you just said also on having fun, I think uh, the mind, yeah, like you said, it's no um, learn about yourself. That's the first first thing. Uh, second thing, I think also it's um, invest in yourself. So like you were mentioning, what you are doing is uh, you are testing stuff that other SDR were telling you. And I think that's something that being in the mindset of testing, trying, learning and testing your stuff also is really helpful because the uh, I know in my first months of being in SDR in my previous jobs I was doing what I was supposed to do and that's it and I didn't enjoy the, the job at all so the I think it was when I was starting to listen to Morgan's uh, Morgan Ingram podcast uh, SDR Chronicles back then uh, he was talking about A/B testing and that's when I started to to do that and I really enjoy that because it's you are testing to see what's working and what's not, and then you can, and you learn and you are improving. Um, and I think that's helped me a lot, having fun in the world. And the last thing also, I think it will be finding a game body. And what I mean by that is, uh, 
if you have other SDRs at the company, uh, yeah, work with this person to yeah, or compete with this person or learning together. But I think that's super helpful. Yeah, 100%. Like, in general, I don't understand why, especially in sales development, we focus on competition rather than on collaboration. Like, in my first, in my first SDR role, like, it was all about the numbers, right? And cold calling day here and who makes the most dials. When in reality, let's be all honest to ourselves. Like, I won most of those cold calling competitions, but was there quality behind my cold calls? No, I just wanted to win that competition, right? And I've spoken to so many SDRs and they're like, yeah, I'm also just calling the gatekeeper so that my manager is happy that my call numbers are up in the CRM, right? Like, I, I think that's such an that's a, such an old approach and I agree with the fact that you need a little bit of competition and I love competition myself. Like, give me a competition, I'll try to win it. But the one thing I think that that really needs more in the sales development world is, is collaboration. And I saw this when I started at SalesLoft and I thought they did it so beautifully because I remember joining and there was a Slack channel and it was called SDRs only. And I was like, who, what is this? And I thought maybe it was just a channel that's dead, but that channel was the lifeline of any SDR that joined SalesLoft because in that channel, there was no managers, there was SDRs only, and we were posting everything if we did a video that booked us a meeting it was in that slack channel if we wrote an email that booked us a meeting it was in that slack channel and the same goes with rejections like i remember one of my my my, my colleagues dom he on like monday morning 8 a.m he got the most brutal rejection like someone was really having a bad day and like he was writing such a mean email and he posted it in the group and we were all like uh have that one and like they're having a bad day like don't let that tear you down dom and it it made you feel better it made you feel like wow i'm not the only one you know that's getting rejected and when you get a cause of rejection like this monday morning you just feel shit but being able to share that with your colleagues and being you know brought up again was a thing where i was like why is not everyone doing that? This does, this literally doesn't even cost any money, right? It's just a fucking Slack channel. But the way that, you know, SDR managers can, can, can encourage that kind of channel where they take themselves out of there, because if there's a manager in that channel, it's always going to be different, right? Like, no matter how cool of a manager you are, you will always be a manager and you'll have to realize that, right? Let them be by themselves. And if you're an SDR, start one of these channels and encourage people to send it in there. And it was great for all the people that joined, that that there were new joiners because they could come in and like just look through all the emails that we were sending and take on the best bits. And then that onboarding and that ramping phase was so much quicker anyways. And again, zero money and like it blows my mind that not everyone's doing this and i don't think we had something like that at sheep factory so that's that's a good one <laughs> that took some notes, so thanks for sharing that uh, so we are almost at the end of um, the interview but i have two questions for you before um at the end of the interview so what advice would you give to a new sdr who is just starting into their role and what advice should they ignore I was thinking that when you said the first question, um, I can actually combine that with the second question. I think um, my best advice 
goes hand in hand with what you should ignore. I think when you start in it as an SDR and like, you know, you log into the CRM and like there's that leaderboard and they've got a 10% reply rate and they've got a 12% meeting book rate. I think that's super intimidating and um, I think that puts extra pressure on you. And I remember this so clearly when I first started as an SDR, I was like, how the hell am I going to get to 12? You know, why am I so, so much worse than all of these other people? When in reality, that's, that's a stupid assumption because they've been doing this for a year and I've just started this. So I think in the beginning, just don't even look at that leaderboard. Like, Blend that out. I think SDR teams in general, we should only give access to that leaderboard maybe after two months of them joining because I think it doesn't do them any good if they look at these numbers, right? Like have the first couple months, focus on yourself. If you had a 2% meeting, uh, like reply rate last week, focus on getting a 3% meeting reply rate next week. Like focus on yourself and focus on getting better every single day. And I mean, that was the same reason why, like, I was so intimidated in the beginning going on LinkedIn and, like, people are like, oh, delete your cadence if it has a 20, like, less than 20% reply rate. And I'd be there with, like, 0.5 reply rate and I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell am I doing, right? And it's so intimidating because on LinkedIn, as with on any other social media app, people just share their best angles and their best success stories and all of these kind of things, right? And you tend to forget that. Like sometimes I go on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, everyone has a six pack and everyone has that hour, like hourglass figure, right? And then like when I was in France two weeks ago, I went to the beach and I was like, not everyone actually has a six pack, right? Like these are normal bodies. But if we're in that world, we forget it. It's the same with LinkedIn. And that's why I started posting on LinkedIn in a way where I was like, yesterday someone told me to fuck off on the phone. Like, this is how I deal with it. Because I felt like this was the content that I wanted to see. Like, this is this is reality, right? Like, let's all be a little bit real. Like, we love sales, but sales is also hard. And there's a lot of things that we need to deal with. So stop thinking about everyone else. Like, even the same goes with the advice. Like... There's so much great advice on LinkedIn and I myself post a lot of advice, right? But it can get confusing if there's 20 other people that are posting, oh, you should do this and you shouldn't do this. But then the other person says you should do this, but not that. It gets so confusing, I would say in the beginning, just, you know, focus on yourself, find out what works for you. And then, you know, you slowly start looking at what other people are doing and incorporate that but in the beginning, it's just you versus you, right? Just you trying to figure this out. And and it doesn't need to be from one night to another. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and the second thing that, that I would do is... Um, this is going to sound bad because you were an SDR manager and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not the same with you. I would... I would not necessarily go to my manager and ask him for advice on how to do my outreach, right? Because chances are that what he did five years ago doesn't work for you anymore like go out and speak to the people that are actually on the ground like all these other sales influences are great but most of them haven't been on the ground for like at least 20 years speak to your colleagues speak to other sdrs at at companies you don't need to go high to get value you need to stay on that level because the higher you get the further away from reality you get. Like, I always thought, who, if I want to increase my outreach, then I just need to speak to all these VPs of sales and chief sales officers. But that's not the case anymore. The only thing that you need to do is speak to the other SDRs and ask them what, what works for them. 
yeah, I think that would be my advice. I give the same advice to my team. Um, obviously, I can give them advice on this. They can listen or not, but I think the the easiest way to learn about what's working right now is talking to top performers. The advice you said that they should ignore, that's something I did at the beginning. Uh, when I joined Chili Viper, I was always comparing myself to the top performer. And obviously, you just started. It's what the fuck, wh why are you doing this? Because it's, uh, he had like a year in the company. He was already performing because he knows the process and everything. And on my side was, oh, I'm bad. I'm not uh, hitting quota. I'm, I was behind. And, but one day I said, no, no, stop comparing yourself to the number one because you are comparing your results to his results. But the thing with uh, what you just mentioned is instead of doing that is go talk to this person learn about this person, uh, the process, uh, shadow this person to see uh, what he's doing on this process, but also what he's saying on the phone and all of this. And I think it's way more interesting to do this instead of comparing your result to his results, because obviously you're not doing the same thing. So, and I don't think it's a bad advice for saying that two SDRs talk to other top performance SDRs because um, on my side, I'm not going to say to my team, hey, what worked two years ago when I was an SDR, do the same because that's the way you do it. No, no, it's right now, uh, right now it's not COVID, it's the economic crisis. So we have another way of prospecting. So no, no, it's, we are on, on this together. So we are learning. So uh, let's try this, let's try this if you want to try. Um, oh, I've seen, I was talking with another SDR leader that the performer is doing this. So I shared this with them. And so the, the goal is not, hey, because I was doing that, you need to do that. No, it's, we are, improving and learning together. And even if you shadow someone, right, it won't work if you copy exactly what he does. Because this oh, is yeah. something that works for him in his very own perspective as an SDR. Like, I always say, use it as an inspiration and try to then model it so that it works for you. Because if, like, I know a top performer at SalesLoft, enterprise guy, he writes, you know, super relevant emails, very professional, completely his style. It works for him so well. But I know if I would copy that message to myself, it just wouldn't work because I'm just such a different person, right? So don't take what anyone else is doing as, as the holy grail. Take it as an inspiration and remodel it to what works for you. No, exactly. It's pick what's for maybe what do you think that can work for you and then you make your own process. With that. Exactly. Mattia, thank you so much for, for today. It was great. I'm going to, to put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people they can find uh, more. But if they want to learn more about you, they can uh, go to your LinkedIn profile. And also we'll put the link of SDRs of Germany also in your podcast. One Wonderful. Thank you very much for that other week. I really enjoyed talking to you. It was great. See you.